Abba Yahweh, again, graced me with breath, brought me to your treasury, your treasure house to share, and yet again, finding confirmation and from different sources, Father God, all speaking the same message, Father. It's as if they're contacting one another and they are, but through the mindset that we are all of your family, Father God. When we accept that Jesus Christ is our only, your only begotten Son and our Lord and Savior, we are of the family. And we have that capability that we will have with you, but you're showing it here to many. Oh, Father God, thank you. Thank you. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Barakritos Aman. So, you heard what I said to our Father. Some people might find that puzzling, but you have to understand something here. Being of one mindset, one thing, carries a lot more weight than just being a Christian and all of us being of that same faith. What is being demonstrated, I believe, in my perspective, my position, doesn't make it a fact. It just makes it my perspective. Remember that. Opinions don't mean that they are facts. They are a matter of perspective from a position. And from your perspective, it might appear something different from where I'm sitting. What I'm being told and what I'm being taught is that our capability that we will have intensified, intensified, when we get home is being demonstrated now to those who are of like mind and walk in the faith that God is our heavenly father. Jesus is his only begotten son and the Holy Spirit guides our step. It's being demonstrated now. And I am absolutely thrilled with the fact that I have three different places that I have been to in the reading and, and whatnot. And, <laughs> and it, the same thing comes from the pulpit at my church. Now, our lead pastor was, we have a lot of things going on mission-wise. And he was on a bit of a sabbatical uh, Sunday because he's taking care of some things relating. Our executive pastor, Micah, is also away. So we had the privilege to hear the voice of James Albright. He takes care of the life groups and things that, that trying to get into, and I, I just wish my schedule would allow better. I have to, the Lord will help me with that. I got to lean that way. But what a message, what an awesome message. What a, and, and if, it's actually in alignment with the other two teachers who are not even going to our church. They have their own churches. They don't come as guest speakers. They haven't been invited as guest speakers, but they speak at their own church, at their church that they are lead pastors to in the house of God. However, <laughs> however, being of like mind, that they are, I believe that the capability is being demonstrated by God and the Holy Spirit 
of what is going to be, we're going to be capable of when we get to home. It says that we, there won't be any need for certain things because we will be able, we'll know one another. We will recognize one another without even speaking or introducing, hey, how you doing? I'm Raven, I came from earth and, you know, and it's uh, now we're home because Jesus came. We don't have to do any of that. We're going to know what it's about. We're going to be in the love of God. We're going to be in the love of, it's all going to be there and we're going to know each other. Just had an epiphany. The song, they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love, which the word tells us that we should practice. Well, when we get to heaven, they're going to know because we are there and we are in the family of God and they're going to know us as we are going to know them. How? By the love that God brought us home. By the love that our Lord, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, brought us home. They are going to know that we are members of the family by our love, by his love, by our love. Just an epiphany. But in several of the readings that I was doing this morning, we have some, I have one, here that I'm going to think, and I I didn't even realize, and I thought, as I'm reading and I'm thinking, well, how absolutely disgusting is that, and how arrogant is that, and how disrespectful is that? These people, they go up on this beautiful creation that God put here in Nepal, in the Himalaya Mountains, Mount Everest, and they climb up there. They don't even bring their garbage down with them. They leave it there. Oh, my word. Here is this um, well, it's not the climbers so much i I believe that their respect, but they have tourism is a pretty high thing, except the the covid pandemic they push out on everyone is leaving everyone pretty hurting, but the tourists that go up there they see they don't go climb all the way up and they don't get to the mountain top, they only go to a certain level because you have to have air tanks to breathe up that high. Wow, we're not gonna need any when we get home. <laughs> we're gonna have heavenly breath. So they go up there and they leave all their garbage. They go up there and they camp, they stay overnight or whatever and say, oh yeah, I went up Mount Everest. Yeah, 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 but, well, did you bring your garbage out? Well, no, no, and here's the thing. I get like this sometimes because <laughs> I think it just disturbs me that God provides all this stuff here and then we just trash it. But that's typical of mammon's ideals. But out here, because of the pandemic, the tourism had dropped off and these, uh, there was an outfit that spent 47 days up on Mount Everest and through the top of the Himalayas and the other adjoining peaks that were there. And they collected almost two and a half tons of garbage, garbage, trash, stuff that was just left up there. Nearly two and a half tons. And it, and it took them 47 days to get that done. My point is that we at times have trash, things that we get collected in our minds 
it causes us to think that that little molehill that we could go over has significantly grown into Mount Everest and we can't get over it, we can't get around it, we don't have air tanks, we don't have our Sherpas, we, we can't climb the mountain, we can't get around it. But as I've shared with you before, is that not a matter of perspective that that mountain that we have created in our minds with the garbage that we have collected up there in our mindset. We have created that mountain. And the reality is that when you look at it through the lens of Jesus, our Father God, and follow the steps of the Holy Spirit, it's actually still that molehill. You can still walk over it. You can still sidestep it and get around. But we have created in our minds the same way the spies did in their mindset and the garbage that they had in their head. <clears throat> they weren't believing that God would deliver. Oh, no. They went in there and said, oh, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. We can only imagine what they must think. They would squash us so easily. Hmm. Many people, actually, when they read that passage... They sort of rush over that one portion. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers. So, that being said, now nah, we threw off the armor of God that he gave us. We threw aside the words that God told us to go in and take the land that he has delivered it to us already. Oh, no, we threw that. <laughs> Are you kidding? We took off running as fast as we could get. We had no faith that God would deliver. No faith. And I'm realizing more and more that sitting down, being still, and know that he is my Lord, my God, is more and more important. We get so anxious about so many things. And then you have those individuals. They actually crack me up. That means make me laugh. Um, they make me laugh. And I do that inside because I don't want them to feel bad and then start getting all defensive because people tend to do that sort of thing. I have people do that with me constantly when I present a joke and make it obvious and other people around understand that, that there are individuals that don't know how to relate to that. So I don't want them to get hurt, so I laugh to myself inside, but it's, it's still a joke. These people claim not to know how to meditate, and that's not for them, and this and that and the other thing, except when you hear further conversation from them, to others about certain things that are going on. They are relating to a meditative period of time that they take in their house. But yet they can't take the time to sit and ponder and just meditate on the word of God. Some verses that they might have memorized. They claim that they can't do that. As Paul tells us that we need to meditate on God. Isaiah said it, be still and know that I am the Lord thy God. He was talking about meditation, but it wasn't related that way. So people read through there and get out. You sit in your house and you just take a quiet time away from pre-planning and all the things that are coming that you have to get done before next Sunday. 
that you have to get completed before next Wednesday when the boss comes back from his wherever he was at. Got to get done. Has to get done. I can't take any time. I can't take any time. I can't take it. And how many times have I heard that to... <laughs> oh my gosh. I just don't have time, sweetheart. I can't go with you and the kids. I don't have time. I don't have time. Or the wife buys first. I don't have time. I don't have time. I have this report that has to get done. I don't have time. I don't have time. Just take the kids and you go. I don't have time. It happens often. More often than we realize. More often times than we know. Just don't have time. Why don't you have time? That's my question. That's my ponderance. Why don't you have time? More often times than not, it's because the time wasn't taken or wasn't made. It's pretty much as simple as that. You didn't take the time because you didn't make the time. And taking some quiet time, you don't have to go anywhere. You don't, why do you have to get in a car and go somewhere to have quiet time and get away from anything? It isn't taken long for my companions to realize that there's a certain time that I, I'm trying to share the word and the truth of God. And they know that this is a time that they need to not be so rambunctious. Once in a while they get ready to go and I just snap my fingers. And like right now, they're lying together up in our magic chair. And they're just waiting. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for me to finish this. They're being respectful. Very interesting how animals can be and how God has created, especially my companions, dogs. God creates them and they have a lot more intuitive behavior that, that becomes more readily apparent the longer that I'm with these, that God has put things in them that we are able to learn, but we don't pay attention. Why? Because of the arrogance of mammon. Pure arrogance. So sharing this, when, when we get in a hurry or in a rush and things need to get done that we have planned out, we tend to get in a hurry and our minds go back and forth about what needs to get done. What did I do? Did I, oh gosh, did I turn off the coffee pot when we left? Oh, goodness gracious, I can't remember. Did I do this before we left? I can't remember. Did I do that? Why? You can't remember because your mind is reeling. Your mind is reeling like that. Uh, what was that thing in the car? Oh, the whirly gigs. Oh, my God. There's a... Oh, thank you, Father, Holy Spirit. That is a perfect demonstration or a perfect illustration, rather, of exactly what happens to our minds when we kick that thing in high gear. For those of you that don't know, you might be millennial and say, oh, carnival's not fun, oh, carnival's for old folks, or folks that are just saying, I'm too old for that. There was a ride, it was called the Whirly Gig. And you have, um, some places they call it a scrambler. I hope I'm not getting two rides confused, I don't think so. But, when you get in, and you initially, and it's basically the same type thing, 
uh, we'll go with the scrambler here because it, it, I used to think of it as that when I was younger. It reminded me of um, the, electric, the electric scrambler, the electric mixer that you can hold in your hand and it had those blades that went around to mix the stuff up. But then if you had one of those really fancy restaurant kind, then the whole thing rotated as it went through the batter and you were making a cake or what have you. They used to have a ride like that, Whirligig, the Scrambler. When you get in it, it starts out slow, and each individual triplet of cars that you sit in um, is kind of going around, and then it goes slow, and it just goes around in a circle. And then that stinker on the control box, he takes that lever and he slams it all the way over to the high side. And then it starts to not only spin around individually, but then the whole thing starts to spin around. And then, and then each of those cars goes toward the other one, other side. They zigzag back and forth across the pattern toward each other and just missing and spinning and spinning in the circle. And then each individual car that the, per, the passenger sitting in is spinning. This is a perfect illustration of what goes on in our mind because you have things that are coming at you so fast, they're spinning by you and missing because it was something that you'd already done but you didn't remember doing it. And then, whoosh, here you come, you got a new idea or thought that you got coming at you because you've got to get that done before Wednesday before the boss comes back. Spinning, turning, twisting, back and forth. And this takes you away from the mindset and the meditation time of being with God. It goes back and forth between what you got to get done and that you want to have the downtime to spend time with God. And it goes back and forth and it takes you away from thinking about God and your prayer time with God and devotion time that you have to spend with God. And your mind goes back and forth. But here's the thing we have to remember. So we have certain authority that was given to us that Jesus Christ gave it to us in the book of Luke as he's talking to us. He's saying that you have the authority to step on the heads of the serpents and to take out the scorpions and to face down the enemy himself. But here's the thing that a lot of people forget. I'm going to remind you again. Satan, Lucifer, the devil, whatever you want to call him, Beelzebub, he's got a lot of names. Fear. Fear's a good one. False evidence appearing real. That's actually his other moniker. He is called fear. He is also a liar. False evidence appearing to be real. And he can make it so realistic that people believe it and they will believe the lies of the lie than the truth of the lie. Counter that a lot, actually. And it's pretty sad. But you can't get confrontational about it. You can only offer truth you can offer knowledge and even share wisdom that's been given, but you are going to have so many and share this that I, I've encountered some that I thought were really, really, really intelligent people, but finding out and listening to their speech deceived, deceived because the deceiver comes and he brings his lies with him. But he's so good at it. He's a good tactician. And he knows how to deliver to make you believe. So, what we have to do is we have to learn to push back on those things that are pressing in. 
we need to learn to create a safe place. And that safe place for me, sometimes in the bedroom and sometimes it's in the magic chair. Me and the dog just sit in the magic chair, are quiet, still, and just take time. And here is another place. I'm at my table. I'm sitting with the word of God. I'm sharing with those that need to hear this word, the truth, the knowledge, and the wisdom of Lord God Almighty. And he's allowing me to be the delivery person. He's allowing me to share that. He's given me this platform. God made this all possible. And he has validated what I say. So you've heard me say it oftentimes when people are gonna get offended, that's because that's what they're looking for. As long as I'm delivering the truth and God validates what I'm doing, I don't need your validation. I don't need your acceptance. I don't need your authority because you're not giving me what I don't already have. This is the truth, the knowledge and wisdom of Lord God Almighty to deliver. That's what I do. I deliver his truth. That's it. The truth and the word of God. And we need to be able to sit down and rebuke that white noise interference that comes from the enemy. We need to be able to rebuke all of that outside noise that some of it we have infused into our own brains because we've got so much pre-planning that we've done. God has given <clears throat> mammon a gift that he did not give to other creatures and members of this creation. He has given us the ability to pre-plan. But the problem is that Satan has grabbed onto that because we've allowed it and he muddles it all up. He, this is one of his great tactics that he uses. He uses it very well. Takes whatever God has given as a gift and muddies it up and turns around and then it's covered with gooey, sticky stuff. And he makes it dark. One of the greatest gifts and one of the greatest verses in the Bible ever, in my opinion. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever, doesn't mean black, white, yellow, red, Brown, it doesn't matter what you are. For God so loved the world, period. Period. And then you have those members that will jump on. Black lives matter. Nobody else matters. It's black lives. Blacks have been so, 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 so. And they make everything so terrible about them. Well, the blacks that were taken from their tribal homelands and brought to this country as slaves, yeah, I can buy that. And I see that a lot of things are going that are not good, but what about the Native Americans that were already here in this country, that lived in this country when the Europeans came and before they even started bringing the slaves here, they were stealing their land. The only good Indian was a dead Indian. Take what they have because they have so much already that we don't have time to learn how to grow it. It's already growing here and we'll just sort of help it along. And they were killing these people that were already here. They were already established here. Yeah, many have turned it around and done other things and 
built casinos and all that stuff. Every, you hear people griping about that all the time. But yet they go. They play the games. They spend their money. They go to the restaurants. But then they come out and they gripe and complain. I'll cut it out. This is a dark, broken place. The word of God testifies to that. And why is that? Because mammon seeks the word of the devil and the lies instead of the truth. Many more that seek the lies rather than the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. They get more and more agitated at truth than they get at lies. You have people that will get up there and, and, okay, let's go back in history. Here we go. We're going to take a, we're going to go in the Wayback Machine. We're going back in history. Adolf Hitler. Whether you like it or you don't like it, it's a historical fact, so it doesn't matter. Adolf Hitler was a very charismatic person, and the man spoke as many, many psychologists have indicated, and those educated individuals will speak to this fact, <clears throat> that he... Gold would drip from his lips like honey, and he had a silver tongue. What that means is that he could speak something and you would just believe it, and that he would be able to pour out his speech onto an audience, and they would just sit there in awe, and they would believe what he was saying. Adolf Hitler had that. Oh, yes, he did. How do you think... You think that the Third Reich just rose up by itself? You think that everybody just said, hey, let's get this together, and then they kind of gather together and they say, okay, we're going to go do this. And then you have those foolish people that decided that the Holocaust that was perpetrated by Adolf Hitler and the Third Reich never happened. You have individuals that claim that, but yet all these other things took place in history kind of sad, but these are the things that are spoken of, have been prophesied of in the Bible, and the Bible speaks to it. Mammon would rather believe the darkness and stay in the lies than to step out into the light, into the light of his glorious day. And I love these contemporary Christian songs that they're singing, and they, they share these truths. The lies that Satan pours out and buries you in. I believe these lies that buried me until I stepped out into his glorious day. The song, I believe, is Lauren Daigle singing, I believe. Because <clears throat> she was believing the lies that were being poured out on her. And then there's another song that speaks to the same thing, I believe. It's called um, Look What You've Done. Or what You've Done. It talks about the lies that are heaped onto. That people are so readily accepting of lies. Truth seems so much more difficult to hold on to. Or to even fathom or to even desire. Create a safe place, a haven 
in which you can rest with God. I like that. Thank you, Father. Just like I was given the notion to change the title of this. I've shared with some people and I mistakenly said that I decided to, no, I didn't. The word was planted in my mind by the Holy Spirit. Haven of truth. Not Raven's Nest, anchored in the word. That was nice, that was catchy, that was me. This isn't about me, this is God's truth. The haven of truth anchored in the word of God. And just like this word says here, create a safe space around you, a haven in which you can rest with him. A haven of rest. I love that. That's an old, old hymn. Um, I can't remember how the words go. And lay me down and in my haven of rest or in your haven of rest. I can't remember. It's an old song and I'm an old guy. I can't remember stuff. God, God has desires. He has desires for us that we would want to be with him and he desires to be with us. This is, this is what we call abiding abiding doesn't mean you just go and you hang out, shoot some pool, chug a beer, whatever. That's not what abiding is. Abiding is that you stay, you share, you talk, you chat, and you just spend time being with one another. The greatest sacrifice that mammon can give, one of the greatest, is time. But the problem is that we are so bound up in believing that we never have time for anything, that it's too important. Our time is too important to give to anyone else. I see it every single day, and it saddens my heart when these people drive in a 30-mile-an-hour zone, but they're driving 50, 60. They're using center lanes to get by lines of traffic that are in a school zone waiting for the light to change so they can go by the school. And these people are in such a hurry that their time is so important. They go right by that and enter the school zone, which is a 20 mile an hour zone. Lights are flashing and the kids are getting out to go get picked up by mom and dad, that they're going through that at 40 miles over the speed limit because their time is too precious to them. Well, if you hit one of those children or you take somebody out because your time is so precious, you'll have plenty of time to reflect on that because chances are you'll be behind bars and you'll just be sitting on this steel bed. And then what are you going to reflect on? Yeah, I get irritated about that stuff. They don't take into consideration the children or anything. They hurt the children. They hurt the, these animals that are intended to be our pets and our companions. Yeah, I get a little irritated. But that's okay because all things are going to be made new and it's going to be healed. Things are going to be different. Take the time. Take time. Sacrifice the time that you intended to be rushing around doing something. Sacrifice that time. Sit down and meditate on God. Think about God. And those people that say that they can't meditate and... <laughs> 
when I talked to them and things like that, I said, well, what'd you do today? Oh, I just took some time out and I just had so many things that were going on and it was giving me a headache, so I just took some time out. Oh, but wait a second, aren't you the same one that told me three or four days ago that you can't meditate because you're not into meditation and and um, so that part of the Bible you ignore because it talks about meditating on God and you don't believe in meditation? Wait a second, we're not talking about the the mumbo-jumbo that a lot of uh, other religions are talking about. We're talking about just taking time and being with God. But yet that's their response. Oh, I don't believe in meditation. I don't believe in this. I don't believe in it. Then you don't believe in God. You claim to be a Christian, but you don't believe in the meditation, what the word of God tells you to do in his truth and his knowledge and his wisdom to share time with you. But you don't believe in that. But yet somehow you still claim that title of Christian tape on the front of your head. And I don't know who you might be or who you are. I have heard it from some people specifically, but I'm not going to chase out their name and share their name with anybody because it's not of anybody's business. That's between them and God. The Holy Spirit gives a yank on their heart and says, Hey, it's time to sit down and talk to me. And the judgment comes from he who created all things, the maker of all things, the ancient of days. Judgment is not mine. And here's what the teaches. Bring me the sacrifice of your precious time. That creates a sacred space around you, space that's permeated with his presence and his peace, which Jesus promises to bring as he did when he showed up in the upper room because of their fear for what the Jews were going to bring to them because they crucified their Lord and he was gone now and they didn't know what to do. So they locked themselves in the upper room. And yet, yea, who appeared to them but Jesus, the Christ, the anointed of God who came and sacrificed himself and he says, be not afraid. Have peace in your heart, peace that I bring, that far surpasses that of mammon. My peace and not peace of this world. I have come and I have over, I have come to this place and I have overcome the world. And he offers that peace. So this is a thing that we need to seek and be in. We need to seek that thing. Seek his peace, his knowledge, his wisdom, and be able to sacrifice those, uh, that, that time that's so precious to us So claiming not to have time because we can't have time to go to any programs for our children or to share time with anyone else that needs us don't seem to have time, but yet there's time to get accomplished or keep working on whatever it was that you've got that you've decided is more important. So, mm, it's just kind of a hard, hard way. Wow.
Here we go. The rule of faith all over again. The rule of faith. Regula fidele. From the front to the back, the back to the front. The Old Testament to the New Testament, New Testament to the Old Testament. Paul talks about meditate on the Word of God. He shares that with all the churches that he writes to. Now, you have to understand that one or two of those are um, were seed churches that Paul actually got established, and some of them were already in place and in accordance. And then he's talking about meditating, meditating on the Word of God, meditating on God, and share that time and space with them. Now we're going to go back to the Old Testament. We're heading back in time about maybe a thousand years. And we're going to go back to when David was king of Israel. David the king. David, the man after God's own heart. And we're going to go back to Psalm 119. Oops, went to Proverbs. Didn't mean to go there. So if we go to Psalms 119, we're going to find verse 27. And David is talking about something. Some people may know or may not know the word or the term. But David's talking about the precepts. Wow. I'm just going to start reading until I find it. Because this is all good. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with a whole heart, as Paul shares. Seek his face. Seek his face. Seek it with your whole heart and your mind. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. And what he says in 119 and 27 is that make me to understand the ways of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. So, I'm going to share with you that some of you may know and some of you may not know. And that's okay because that's you know, what I do. Can't help it. I was teaching the military and I like to share. And, and some people may not know this. And for those of you that do, don't get your knickers in a twist and get all uncomfortable. Some people don't. So a precept, the precepts of God, a commandment or direction given as a rule of action or conduct. This is an important word because we have different ways of saying similar action, but they're not the same. You have certain rules, certain regulations and things of this, but this is important because this covers all things. There are certain rules, and Mammon has actually twisted a lot of this into formation of their own. There are certain things that you can say, but you can do. 
certain things that you can do, but you can't say in conjunction with that action. Kind of silly when you, if you've ever been into a into a court of law, and lawyers really, really work well at taking these things apart. Oh my gosh! And then they convince a judge that there ought to be a um, <laughs> that they ought to make a deal. Some very egregious things that are done, and but they ought to make a deal. So the precepts of God is a commandment that he has given directly as a rule of our actions as well as our conduct. And treat thy neighbor as thou would request to be treated. Of course, a little paraphrasing on the golden rule. But treat everyone around you the way that you want to be treated. You don't want to be treated like crap. You don't want to be disdained because you smell a little funny. Maybe you were working in the yard a little extra hard this thing and you had to run and get a, a part for the mower, a part for the whirly gig so you could cut the weeds. So you stink a little bit because you didn't take a shower. And you have people shunning you and they don't want to talk to you because you smell like body odor that you were working and sweating and then you get all offended and agitated but yet you turn around and you have homeless people that are living out there without an opportunity to bathe or cleanse themselves and you shun them simply because they have a slight odor some of it is more than a slight odor they have no way to bathe they have no way to clean themselves and they do the best they can I've seen some that have shown up at churches because that's the place they, their heart takes them to be. And people shun them. They won't even shake their hand. They won't even hug them. They won't barely look at them when they talk to them. That's disgusting. And I think it makes our Lord wretch when he looks down there and sees these individuals that claim to be Christians and yet they treat others that way. That's not following the precepts of the Lord God Almighty. That's not anything like that. It's heartbreaking, actually. And I work on that, and I pray the strength for that, and God offers that to me. Thank you, Father. That I don't allow that to interfere with any way that I treat anyone around. And I get some that come on... Some, unfortunately, and it actually broke my heart when he said this because I've known this, he's an older man. And uh, when I used to speak to him, he's, he's highly intelligent. I mean, really intelligent. His historical knowledge is amazing. And he was actually in Washington, D.C. at the time of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And he was in the immediate area. And speaking to this man and listening to his knowledge. He is... He is degraded significantly. And the last time that I spoke to him was just last week. And we have certain rules and regulations that govern what we do. And it's actually common decency to the other's and 
has gone so far that he his bodily waste functions are just they're not coordinated and they're not thought of so he's soiled himself terribly in both defecation and urination and just was really and came up to talk to me and he wanted a ride and I would have been happy to do so and I mean I usually do but then as the breeze came by I was really able to smell the ammonia so I loosed my seatbelt and I wanted to step outside and talk with him so that he wasn't embarrassed and um so then he immediately, he knew what was coming. He knew that I wasn't going to let him ride because he already knew that others had done that. And he's now he's begging me not to do that. And I'm trying to explain to him. So I step out and he immediately goes into a tizzy, into a tizzy and starts demanding. I said, I can't, I cannot, I am not permitted to do it. The law requires that I refuse you. The rules of the company requires that I refuse you. And it's also a federal regulation that I cannot bring you into this bus and allow you to ride and mix with the other passengers in the way that you are. You have to get cleaned up. I cannot take you. And then, of course, he wanted to holler at me about not having a place to do so, uh, which is unfortunate. But then he started going that extra beyond and trying to make his problem into my problem, which is not allowable. And I can rebuke that and it doesn't make me any lesser a Christian than anything else. It just means that there are things that I must obey. And the Bible tells me that. So I'm okay with that. But then he got very mad and the la- one of the last things he said was, I thought we were friends. Well, see, here's the thing that Mammon does. And Mammon will twist and his mind is a little more twisted than others. But one of the very first things that they really like to throw in your face when you do something that you're supposed to do that eliminates them, I thought we were friends. Oh my gosh. Then they want to make their problem your problem and they want to twist it all around and then you're the bad person. They want to put the onus on you rather than accepting that responsibility. And as I tried to explain to him, I said, this has got nothing to do with friendship. This has to do with regulation and I I cannot allow it. And then as I started to leave with everybody else, he starts banging on the window and if that would have broken, then I would have then that would have been our, then he would have gone to jail. I don't want the guy to go to jail. I just can't permit him to be riding around. But you have to understand, there are certain things, there are certain precepts not only established by man, but the precepts of God. We are told in the Bible that there are certain things that we must follow and obey while we are here on this plane of existence. But even more importantly are the precepts established by Lord God Almighty, the maker of all things made, and our Lord, our only begotten Son of God, and our Holy Spirit. Pray in these things. Make time. Set the time aside to spend abidance with Lord God. And I'm not talking about just hanging out. I'm talking about abide with him, be in the word, share the word, and just sit there and sit back, close your eyes and rest, put things out and try to hear. Lean in so you can hear that still small voice. God and the Holy Spirit talks in a small voice. They're not going to yell. 
and we're going to go back with Elijah when he went up on the side of the mountain and God told him to go out there. There's a very powerful illustration there. You have to open your spiritual eyes and open your hearing and listen because it's relative. But you have to do so in the spirit. You can't just try to figure it out. God told him to go up onto the face of the mountain, which he did. And when he went to the face of the mountain, the mighty wind was blowing so powerful that stones were breaking and pieces were coming off of the stone. And then there was a mighty thunderstorm and lightning striking the trees. And then there was a great earthquake. And then there was a fire. And then God told him to go back into the cave. While he was up on the side of the mountain in the midst of all the turmoil and noise and all that that was going on, he couldn't hear God because he was so busy looking around at everything happening around him. Wasn't intent on the word of God, the voice of God. But then he went back into the cave and the spirit of the Lord spoke to him there in a still, small voice. Didn't have to scream and yell to be heard. Didn't have to sound like the voice of many waters as John described it while on the island of Patmos. So what we do is we create a quiet place. Elijah had a quiet place. He had the cave and he went back to the cave and he leaned in to listen to what God had to tell him to do. And he did so. We need to do that same thing. We need to be with God, spend time with God, abide with God, not just to go and hang out. Don't go into that dark place and sit back in the recliner, throw the lever up and not go out and share the word of God, his truth, his knowledge and his wisdom. Not what we're supposed to do. That's not the quiet place that the word is talking about. To refuse to go out and share and do that's that's not according to the precepts of the Lord God Almighty. That's according to your established thought process. Oh, I don't want to go out and do that because people are going to make fun of me. They're going to this, they're going to that, they're going to this, they're going to that. And what does the Bible tell us about? Do not worry about what you're going to say because that will come from me. Brothers and sisters, I pray for you on my going out, my coming in. And those of you that have not decided whether or not you're going to accept the adoption of the Lord God Almighty and become brothers and sisters in the kingdom of heaven, heir and joint heir in Jesus Christ with the kingdom of heaven. It's a very simple process. Very simple process. Knock on the door and say, Jesus... I would like you in my life. I would like to have faith in our Heavenly Father. I would like the Holy Spirit to guide my steps. Invited to do so. Also try my spirit to see if I don't share truth. Have a blessed day.